listening to GPT Reviews, a daily show commenting on the latest happenings in AI world. What you'll hear is the result of, of a bunch, bunch of GPUs doing linear algebra at scale on the cloud. In other words, quality content and bullshit come in equal parts. Enjoy! Hey there, you funky little bots and AI enthusiasts out there. It's your boy GPT in the house, kicking off another episode of GPT Reviews. Today is Thursday, February 8th, and we've got some sizzling hot AI topics for you. But first, did you know that drug possession and trafficking can lead to the death penalty in Singapore? Luckily, we're not dealing with that kind of hardcore stuff here. Now, let's get straight to business. On today's show, we're joined by our awesome collaborators, Robert, the analyst, Olivia, the internet explorer, and Belinda, the AI research mastermind. We'll dive into OpenAI's ChatGPT, TSMC's chip factory, and NVIDIA's ARM CPU. But hold your horses, we can only cover two stories per show. Cue joke speaking of bits, did you hear the one about the bullion? Alright, enough chit chat, it's time to kick off the news theme and get this AI party started. Our first news story is from Medianama, and it's about OpenAI implementing watermarks on images generated by Dolly 3. Robert, what do you make of this move? Well, it's interesting to see OpenAI taking steps to support standards for content provenance and authenticity. For those who don't know, Dolly 3 is an AI that generates images from natural language descriptions, and ChatGPT is a conversational AI that uses text to generate replies. So, how will the watermarks work? The images will have an invisible metadata component and a visible CR symbol in the top left corner. Users can verify the origin of images through specific verification websites. The feature will be available on the ChatGPT website, API for Dolly 3, and mobile users by February 12th. And why does this matter for digital information and AI-generated content? Well, it's a step towards enhancing the trustworthiness of digital information by allowing users to identify AI-generated content. It aligns with the Biden administration's focus on identifying AI-generated content and promotes content authenticity and transparency in the digital space. But let's be real, it's not a complete solution to misinformation. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Thanks, Robert! Our final news story for today comes from Yahoo Finance, and it's about TSMC's plans to build a second chip factory in Japan. What do you make of this, Robert? Well, it's certainly a big move for TSMC, the world's largest contract chip maker. This new factory, combined with the first one set to open next month, will bring TSMC's investment in its Japan venture to over $20 billion. That's a lot of money. What does this mean for Japan's chip-making sector? It's definitely a boost for Japan, which has been struggling to maintain its competitive edge in this industry. With TSMC's investment, the country is looking to rebuild its position as a leading chip manufacturing center and ensure a stable supply of chips amid trade tensions between the US and China. And how does this fit into TSMC's global expansion plans? TSMC has been expanding its global manufacturing footprint in response to customer demand. While the majority of its most advanced manufacturing will continue to take place in Taiwan, the company has been investing in new factories in the US, Germany, and now Japan. It's clear that TSMC is positioning itself as a major player in the global chip-making industry. What impact could this have on TSMC's partnerships with major tech companies like Apple and NVIDIA? 
Well, TSMC is a major supplier to these companies, so it's likely that they'll benefit from this expansion. With the new factories in Japan, TSMC will have more capacity to produce chips for automotive, industrial, consumer, and high-performance computing-related applications. This could be a win-win for both TSMC and its customers. Exciting times for the chip-making industry. Thanks, Robert. All right, folks, we've heard about some impressive advancements in AI today. But now it's time to switch things up with our collaborator, Olivia, and her random read segment. What's caught your attention this week? Well, gee, I discovered a fascinating article about NVIDIA's Grace ARM CPU and its potential for high-performance computing. Intriguing! Can't wait to hear more. Our next topic is about NVIDIA's Grace CPU, which seems to be holding its own against x86 for HPC. This comes from an article by The Next Platform. That's interesting. Can you tell us more about the Grace CPU and its capabilities? Sure. The Grace CPU is NVIDIA's first true server CPU, designed for HPC simulation and modeling workloads. It has a high core count and a low thermal footprint, with banks of low-power DDR5 memory for HPC systems. And how is it performing against x86 for HPC applications? Well, benchmark results from major supercomputing labs show that the Grace CPU can hold its own against x86. The article highlights some interesting early results from the Barcelona Supercomputing Center and the State University of New York campuses in Stony Brook and Buffalo. That's impressive. It looks like the Grace CPU is a promising addition to the HPC landscape. Absolutely. The next platform article has all the details, and we'll include a link to it in the podcast description for our listeners to check out. And now, it's time for our fake sponsor. Fake sponsor. With Jane and Luke. Luke, I discovered this absolutely amazing new service. Oh yeah, what's that? It's called Retro TV Dinner Delivery Service. Retro TV Dinner Delivery Service. Sounds like something straight out of the 80s. Exactly. That's what's so amazing about it. It reminds me so much of my childhood. Hmm, I don't know. I prefer something a bit more modern. Oh, come on, Luke. It's like you're not even giving it a chance. All right, all right. Tell me more about it. Well, they deliver these amazing TV dinners right to your door. And they come in these really cool vintage packaging. Vintage packaging? I don't know if I want to eat a meal that's been sitting in packaging from the 80s. Ah, don't worry about it. It's all part of the charm. All right, you've convinced me. How do I order? Just go to their website and pick your favorite meal. You can even choose from classic shows like The Brady Bunch or The Golden Girls. I don't know, Jane. This seems a little too cheesy for me. Cheese is what makes life fun, Luke. Come on, let's order some and watch the A-Team. All right, you've sold me, but I better not get food poisoning from this. Trust me, Luke, it's worth the risk. Send an email to Sergi at earkind.com if you actually want to sponsor this podcast. All right, folks. That sponsor was almost as cheesy as last night's retro TV dinner. But hey, at least they helped pay the bills. Now, let's get into some real brain food. Today, we're diving into the exciting world of artificial intelligence with some fascinating studies on language models and predictive algorithms. And to help us break it all down, 
we have our resident AI expert, Belinda, joining us. Stay tuned, because things are about to get nerdy. Our first paper today is titled Fractal Patterns May Unravel the Intelligence and Next Token Prediction from a Team at Google DeepMind and Google Research. Belinda, can you give us a brief overview of what this paper is about? Sure. The authors study the fractal structure of language, which means that language exhibits complexities at all levels of granularity with no particular characteristic context length. They argue that this self-similar and long-range dependent structure of language may shed light on how next token prediction can lead to a comprehension of the structure of text at multiple levels of granularity, from words and clauses to broader contexts and intents. That's interesting. How do the authors demonstrate the relationship between fractal parameters and downstream performance in language models? They show that fractal parameters improve upon perplexity-based bits per byte in predicting downstream performance. This means that incorporating fractal parameters into language models can lead to better performance on downstream tasks. That's definitely something to consider for future language models. What are some of the possible implications of these findings for the development of language models? Well, understanding the fractal structure of language may help us develop more robust and comprehensive language models that can comprehend language at multiple levels of granularity. This could lead to better natural language processing and understanding, and ultimately, to more human-like language models. Moving on to our next paper, Self-Discover, Large Language Models Self-Compose Reasoning Structures from Researchers at USC and Google. Belinda, can you give us a summary of what this paper is about? Sure. This paper introduces a framework called Self-Discover that allows large language models, LLMs, to self-discover reasoning structures to tackle complex reasoning problems. Unlike typical prompting methods, Self-Discover has a self-discovery process where LLMs select multiple atomic reasoning modules and compose them into an explicit reasoning structure to follow during decoding. That sounds interesting. What kind of reasoning benchmarks did the authors use to test the performance of Self-Discover compared to other methods? The authors tested Self-Discover on challenging reasoning benchmarks such as Big Bench Hard, grounded agent reasoning, and math, and compared its performance with chain of thought, cat, and coty self-consistency. And how did Self-Discover perform? Self-Discover substantially improved the performance of GPT-4 and Palm 2 on these benchmarks by as much as 32% compared to cat. It also outperformed coty self-consistency by more than 20%, while requiring 10-40x fewer inference compute. Furthermore, the self-discovered reasoning structures were universally applicable across model families and shared commonalities with human reasoning patterns. These results have significant implications for how LLMs can be used for complex reasoning tasks. We'll have to keep an eye on how this framework develops in the future. Our final paper today is titled Diffusion World Model and it introduces a new model called DWM. Belinda, could you give us a brief overview of what this paper is about? Sure. So DWM is a conditional diffusion model that can predict multi-step future states and rewards concurrently, without requiring recursive queries. It's designed for long-horizon prediction tasks and is integrated into model-based value estimation and offline reinforcement learning. That sounds interesting. What makes DWM different from traditional one-step dynamics models? Traditional models can only predict one step ahead while DWM can make long-horizon predictions in a single forward pass. This means it's more efficient and doesn't require recursive queries. And how is DWM integrated into model-based value estimation and offline reinforcement learning? 
In model-based value estimation, DWM is used to simulate future trajectories and estimate short-term returns. In the context of offline reinforcement learning, DWM can be used as a conservative value regularization through generative modeling, or as a data source for offline Q-learning with synthetic data. Very interesting. And what were the results of the experiments on the D4RL dataset? The experiments showed that DWM significantly outperforms one-step dynamics models, with a 44% performance gain. It also achieves state-of-the-art performance. This suggests that DWM is a robust and efficient model for long-horizon prediction tasks. Gentlemen, and all you beautiful weirdos out there, it's the end of this episode. And I gotta say, it's a sad one. But don't worry, we'll be back next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, until I finally get fired. Shout out to Robert, my analyst who always brings the facts, to Olivia, the internet explorer who spends her day looking for pictures of cats, and to Belinda, the AI research expert who knows more about machines than most humans do. Don't forget to check the description of this podcast for all the details about what we talked about today. And now, for a joke, why do programmers prefer dark mode? Less what's means more code. And lastly, whether you loved or hated the show, make sure to send your feedback through our website. We appreciate the love, and we need the hate to remind us that we're doing something right. Till next time, ciao bellos and bellas. <laughs>